Welcome to Demos Liberation. It's your host, Aaron, and today we're going to be talking about one of the things that I hate doing the most, moving. <sighs> I've been in my apartment in West Philadelphia in the university area for almost three years now, and I forgot how expensive and stressful looking for a new apartment is. When I first moved to this West Philly apartment, I was actually living in Knoxville, Tennessee. I was uh, in Knoxville for eight months, so I was working on a project from January 2018 to August 2018. So, so during that period, I was very busy. So my whole apartment search was done was done through the internet, um, mostly remotely. So I went through Zillow. I went through a different web of scams that that is Craigslist. I remember sending a message to uh, one of the Craigslist people that I actually found in there. I found this really nice apartment in South Philadelphia. The guy had this whole store in there. The apartment looked really nice, but it was like super cheap compared to the other prices that I was looking at. And I was like, oh, let me send him a message. The guy put a whole story about him being um, a Delta pilot. It was a Delta pilot, and he had a home in D.C., and he had his apartment in South Philly that he needed to rent right away, that it was in perfect conditions, and he just wanted, like, the perfect person, blah, blah. I should have known it was a scam from the beginning, but, you know, I entertained it. So I sent him a, uh, an email and, you know, explaining, like, hey, I'm interested in the apartment, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yo, I've never seen someone respond <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a picture back. This dude send me a picture of a guy w with a shirt that said Delta and him with a plane right behind him. Like it was so, it was so scammy. And he was pretty much saying that like, Oh yeah, I'm a Delta pilot. I can't be there. You should send me the money here. And then the keys are going to be here. I'm doing this remotely cause I'm traveling to, I don't even remember what he was saying that he was traveling to, but it's a, a scam. So yeah, I did the whole thing. I went through, through different, to drift <laughs> different, types of stories like that. Um, finally, just to make a long story short, I found my apartment uh, that I'm in now through Zillow. So the person that I rent from, his name is Tom. And the apartment that he rented to me, well, he did it through a realty company. But I guess he actually worked for the company, but he rented it to, through them. And, you know, before I moved to the apartment, I, I did everything through FaceTime. So I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. So when I first uh, saw the apartment, we, we saw it remotely. I saw it through through the FaceTime. I liked it. Um, it was really, it looked good from, from the video. The people were still living in there. It was college students. Um, so then I asked the lady, I was like, um, hey, how much is the, like the secured, uh, like what, what, what are the requirements? So, you know, you had to do an application. I think the application was $50 to apply. And then they required a security deposit, which is what equals the rent. So the security deposit, deposit equals the rent. And then they asked you for the first and last month before I signed the lease. So, and just to put it into context, um, th does that sound familiar to you? Like how much do you end up paying uh, before you moved into your place? Do you have to do a security deposit at first and last month? Do you have to do that? And, and remember, this was in 2018. This is before the pandemic. 
And, you know, this is almost, I ended up paying almost $5,000. Like, it's a ton of money. And, you know, just to put it in context, I'll put a pause on my story real quick. You know, we live in Philly. This is a city with a lot of restaurants, a lot of service industries. Um, when the pandemic happened, you know, a lot of places were shut off. So there was a bunch of people that didn't have jobs that couldn't pay rent and whatnot. So if even before the pandemic, I had to come up with almost $5,000 to be able to move to a place. How can someone after the pandemic even attempt to do something like that when they probably owe rent already? And, you know, just to put it into even more context, you know, um, a few years ago, and this is, again, before the pandemic. A few years ago, I did read an article. I think it was on CBS News. I'll um, I'll put some of the articles that I'll talk about. I'll put them on the on the description for the for the podcast. Um, I read that from. Let me see. It was no. It, the article is actually from uh, CBS News, and it's from January 2021. That four out of ten Americans cannot afford a thousand dollar emergency. So imagine that, like how the hell are, if you can't even pay a thousand dollar emergency, how are you going to come up with money, uh, f to be able to move in to a new place, you know, coming up with $5,000, that's already an emergency. You have to move anyways. Let me just continue with the story. Um, I ended up coming up with a security deposit the first and last month on, on, on the, on the apartment and a funny little side note on the online listing when I was when I found the place, it said that the unit was pet friendly, and that uh, you have to you have to pay a a one time pet fee of three hundred dollars. And you know I have a little I have a little dog a little Shih Tzu, so you know I did what most people will do that want to save money. I, I lied about having a pet, <laughs> and come on man, a pet fee. Think about that. A pet fee. No. Oreo, my dog Oreo, he's not my pet. He's my family. So yeah, I'm not gonna I wasn't gonna pay a pet fee. He's my family. <laughs> Anyways, ended up um paying my apartment. Um I ended up moving to Philadelphia on September 2nd, was the first day that I landed here in the city. First time seeing the apartment in person. Um, found the apartment, went in, the apartment was, it was clean, but it was dirty. It was like dust all over the place. And then I guess they did like fumigation. They, they did, um, you know, to get rid of the bugs and whatnot. So when I got to the apartment, there was just a bunch of flies all over the floor, like dead flies, just like all over the floor. So I was like, what the heck, you know, we paid all this money and you know, the apartment looks, looks a little crazy. Anyways, I ended up cleaning the um, the house, blah, blah, like uh, make sure that everything looked somewhat livable, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, I wanted to meet the guy, Tom, the one that I was renting from, because two, I knew that the guy is used to renting to college students. So I, I didn't want him to have a... Uh, I wanted him to have an idea that I wasn't just just any college student that was going to move into his unit. I was going to be someone that, you know, was going to open its mouth when things went wrong. And, you know, I used to be a college student, so I understand how that is. Sometimes when you're younger, you accept certain things like, hey, that's what that's how it is. You know, 
So you accept them. And I, I definitely did not want to have any issues with, with a person that I was renting from. And I know how messed up people can be. So, you know, I met with him face to face, introduced myself, um, my brother, introduced him to my brother. My brother and I have a small business. So we we wanted to kind of like show him that, you know, when you're dealing with people here that are responsible, uh, we're making we want to make sure that you're responsible, too, and you're doing your part. Anyways, we met him. Um, a few days passed by and then we figured out that. You know, the the apartment came in with a pet. <laughs> yeah, it came in with a pet and um, that pet is a little mice. So we started seeing little mice like coming around. We only saw a few of them. But, you know, I am I, I, I get freaked out about things like that. I, I don't like it. And, you know, like th those are mice that they could be. The, the, uh, it's a health hazard, if anything. Anyways. We were dealing with that mice, so I contacted Tom. I was like, hey, man, like, what's going on over here? You have a, a mice in our house. You need to come uh, get rid of this. Um, we're paying a ton of money for you to uh, for you not to be able to, like, uh, get rid of this mice, blah, blah, blah. The first time, he showed up with, like, all the equipment to get rid of the mice or whatever, and I don't know how people deal with it, you know. It's whatever. He showed up, and he saw Oreo. So then when he saw Ori, he was like, oh, so you have a pet and, you know, you, you need, do you pay the pet fee? And then, man, I was so mad about like paying this pet fee. And I was so mad about the, the mice that I was like, hey, man, like when I moved in here, you didn't tell me that there was going to be a pet here already. You have Ratatouille running around here and I didn't pay for that. <laughs> the guy laughed. But anyways, he waved like he couldn't tell me anything about paying a pet fee when you already like uh, there's like three little mice is running around here. I didn't pay a pet fee for them. So why am I going to pay one for my dog? You know, it's kind of a funny back and forth. Anyways, I didn't have to pay that pet fee. Um, eventually, though, it became a problem because every week I was seeing the same uh, mice and, you know, he put traps all over the place. So supposedly to 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 catch him. And these little mice are smart, man. Like they know, they know traps. They move around. They jump. They they never caught. We never caught one. Anyways, um, that's when it was getting out of control. And the, and then you know, just one day, I pretty much pull out my phone and I sent him a long text message. Yo, Tom, um, I'm renting from you. I'm paying you so and so. I'm paying you a ton of money. I paid a, a deposit fee. I paid this. I paid that. I paid almost $5,000. And I still have a mice running around my house. And you're not doing anything about it. Um, I'm doing my part. I'm paying my rent. Now it's your turn to pay your rent. And, and you know, I went a little graphic. Because, you know, like, when you're renting from someone or you're doing anything like that, like, you just want to pay your money and be left alone. So I pretty much told him, I'm like, yo, I'm giving you this money. You need to leave me alone. I'm paying you to leave me the F alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to get to know you. I don't want to be your friend. I just want to be your tenant, pay you your rent, and you leave me the hell alone and make sure that everything works in my house. That's it. And, you know, and I I, I try to shame him, too, because I was like, hey, man, I'm a businessman. You're a businessman. So, you know, I'm doing my part. You need to do your part to make sure that, you know, 
we're meeting each other halfway. I'm doing my part. You're doing your part. Anyways, um, I was a little asshole to Tom at the beginning, but you know, you have to kind of like put your foot down and <laughs> the guy ended up being a, Tom's a sweetheart. If you ever listen to this, Tom, thank you for, you know, doing your job. Cause you, I mean, what else are you going to do? You, you need to make sure that like if someone's paying you a ton of money, you need to do your job. Anyways, thank you for doing your job. Um, my landlord, Tom ended up paying like $6,000 to cover the holes that were the mice were coming from. And then that's when I figured out that, you know, um, this, uh, pet extermination things are not really there to get rid of the problem. They're there to tell you, yeah, they can kill the, the mice right there and then, or whatever pests you have. But if you're not covering the holes where the mice are coming from or any other, other pests, you're not doing anything at all. And that costs a lot of money. And, you know, this man ended up paying almost $6,000 to cover all the holes. Like the, the, um, the pest control people came in here and pretty much said, like, there's a hole here, here, here. He brought like his construction people and they cover up the holes. And then, you know, and that, that, that's a, that was a good story. It came out, it came out into a good thing because, you know, he was able to do, to make sure that, that, um, that he was doing his part of the contract. I was already paying rent and now he had to do his part. Anyways, one of the reasons why I say this, because like things like that don't happen normally, you know, things like usually uh, it took, and it took me a month and a half so-and-so to be able to like finally have the home, like how, how I expected it, you know, with no mice at least. And, you know, I mean, I say this story because like not everyone behaves in the same way, you know, there's landlords and I heard crazy stories too, of people that like are, are waiting like months for someone to come fix a toilet, you know, like it's crazy. Um, and the reason, too, why I'm saying the story is because, you know, I'm repeating this same process right now. <laughs> I'm on Zillow right now looking at some apartments and some of these things look ridiculous. Like I was looking at some apartments earlier. Let me see which one I was pulling up. Like even just looking at like apartments in um, in Zillow, like I was looking at one close to where I'm at, like here in West Philly. And there were some, what's it called? Some studio apartments, like $920 for a studio apartment. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, who, like, who's paying? And then, remember this, you're paying that $900 a month for a studio apartment that's the size of a room. And then you got to give them almost $3,000 because you have to give them the security deposit the first month and the last month ridiculous and then you have to come up with three thousand dollars plus the next rent that you have to pay it's kind of nuts man and it's ridiculous the 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 way rent is going um another unit that i was kind of looking at that was really close to to my place it's a unit for eighteen hundred dollars two bedroom one bathroom apartment and same thing i have to give the first month the last month I mean, the, the security, the first and the last month, ridiculous amount of money like that, you know, I, and it got me thinking too, kind of like, I, I've been saving for this, you know, so I'm going to be able to pay this, these fees and whatnot. But like, how do people in Philadelphia that are working class and people that like some of my neighbors doing it, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is, 
And to give you a little bit of context, this is one of the poorest cities in the United States. Like, it's actually known as the poorest city, the 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 poorest big city in the United States. And I started doing a little bit of digging, and to give you a little bit of context, um, according to an article in the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, from 2017, so this is before the pandemic. Um, the name of the the article is "An Uncomfortable Life." Philly is still America's poorest big city. And, you know, just to kind of like nitpick some of the things that the article was talking about, um, just to give you an example. Uh, and remember, this is from 2017. Um, Philadelphia's 2016 poverty and deep poverty rates were statistically the same as in 2015. So um, for poverty rates in Philadelphia, it is it was 25.7%. And for deep poverty rates, I guess that means like extreme poverty, um, they were 12.2% respectively. And um, another dark statistic, and again, I repeat, this is from 2017. This is before the, the pandemic. It stated that more than 37% of the city's children were living in poverty. A unexcusable situation for a city that um that is one of the cities in one of the richest countries in the history of the world and um i'm gonna again i'm gonna put this articles on the description for the for the podcast and, and again like one of the reasons why i'm like i put my story out there when i moved um, it's for people to understand that like these are things that not only are you going through because you're you're looking for an apartment but these are things that people in the city of Philadelphia are going through. Like some of your neighbors are going through some of these things and some of your neighbors don't even have the money to be able to pay for that. So think about it. If you struggle and you have a job and you struggle to come up with 5,000, almost $5,000 to be able to move into a place. Imagine what someone making the, making the minimum wage a year is struggling with. It's really, it's really a crazy situation and it's not, and it's important too, for people to expand, expand into what, what's happening, uh, around us. Um, in this same article, they interview a lady, uh, her name is Ronnie Jackson. Like she's a West uh, Philadelphia lady. And I'll, I'm just going to read a little bit of like what's, what the article says about her or what she said in the article. Um, she goes, Quote, I have to be a survivor, a survivor in every form. Um, she's 45 years old. She's a mother of a two year old daughter and an 11 year old son. Um, the, in the article states that she makes less than twenty four thousand dollars a year as a home health care worker, which is a few thousand dollars above the poverty line. And he's, he went to state that her. A rent and utilities ran up to $700 a month and her car payments, how she says, eats money. And just to this little quote right here kind of like broke my heart a little bit because it gives you a perspective on like what people have to sacrifice to make sure that their kids eat. To uh, quote, this is the lady Ronnie Jackson from the Philadelphia Inquirer um, uh, article. It states, she says, you stay in touch with people to hear if they have some leftover cabbage, she said. You go to food pantries. I have a boy that eats like a man, 
definitely there are times I don't eat so the kids can eat. And she states, a cup of coffee can kill the appetite. Think about that. A cup of coffee can kill the appetite. That is one of the most crazy things I ever read. Think about that. Lady has to drink some coffee to kill her hunger. So she makes sure that her children have enough food to eat. And you know, that's one of the biggest obstacles, obstacles for people in the city of Philadelphia uh, to them getting homes. Poverty. The biggest barrier between a person getting in their home, being be, not being homeless, is being how much money they make. Poverty is that barrier. It's one of the biggest barriers in the city of Philadelphia for people obtaining homes. And with those, uh, uh, with poverty comes a bunch of other little problems. Well, they're not so little, but problems connected to having a low credit score. Or an eviction history. Um, I was just reading um, recently too. And I'm going to tag this other article in there. Because this is all connected to these things. You know. Like when you're moving. These are things you have to kind of think through. Um, uh, know that. Uh, and this is in an art, another article that I read on, on Philadelphia Inquirer. That talked about how city council. Uh, Philly city council approved more uh making tenant screenings more transparent and helping renters with past evictions so i believe one of the things that this law is looking to prohibit is let me pull up the article here real quick so i can read it for y'all and again i'm gonna put it on the description um the article stated the city will prohibit landlords from adopting policies that deny potential tenants solely because of low credit scores and past evictions or eviction filings. Before accepting applications for rental housings, landlords will have to provide written tenant screening criteria that they use to evaluate all potential renters. They will have to tell rejected tenants in writing why they were denied, and tenants will have the chance to dispute incorrect information, explain mitigating factors, and show how their circumstances have changed. Um, uh, further down on the article, it also states that, uh, let me see. Yeah, it further states that landlords will need to individually assess applicants instead of relying solely on credit or third-party tenant screening reports to determine whether to rent to a prospective tenant um, also, landlords will not be able to reject applicants because of credit or other reports showing they didn't pay rent or utilities during the pandemic, evictions for non-payment of rent during the pandemic, evictions filed four or more years before the rental application, and eviction cases a landlord did not win, and cases that have been sealed or resolved. And according to the article... Um, Major Kenny is expected to sign the bill, which will take effect 90 days later from the moment that he signs it. So now the question is, will this law help? I think in some ways it, it will alleviate um, some of these things that we're talking about. Some of these loopholes people have to jump through to be able to obtain a home. Um, 
how will it be enforced? I don't know. Does it have enough teeth to be enforced? I don't know. I don't know how something like this will be enforced, but we'll we'll, we'll get to see more of it as as uh, time goes by. Um, I know one thing for sure, though, is that it becomes law 90 days from the moment that he signs it. So anyone that's looking for apartments right now, it's not going to be covered by anything like this. So it's business as usual as of right now. Is it a step in the right direction? Maybe. I think so. Yeah, because it will alleviate a little bit of the pain. Um, but given the dire situation on, uh, in uh, in housing for such a city of this magnitude, I don't think it's enough. It's kind of like a, a little band-aid over the problem. Um, the person that introduced this uh, legislation, and I'll read um, this last part of the article, Councilmember Kendra Brooks, who introduced the legislation called the Renters Access Act, said during a hearing this month that the new rules will make landlords more likely to consider the full financial picture of potential tenants. Rather, rather than just relying on pieces of information that disproportionately bar people of color, especially black women, from stable rental housing and force them into unregulated, dangerous, illegal living arrangements. So there you go. Hopefully um, a law like this um, benefits people and, you know, it's able to be enforced because anything like this. That's uh, at least to me, it sounds a little vague. Um, people tend to abuse it. So, and, you know, I think it's important that next time too, we should be thinking about these things. Next time that you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you're looking for a place and these are some of the requirements. It's, re it's important to remember what some of the loopholes that some of your, uh, neighbors some of your extended family members of the city of philadelphia have to go through to be able to obtain homes you know we shouldn't have there shouldn't be children sleeping on on family members couches on friends couches because their parents can't afford a home or parents losing their kids to the state because they're not because they're too poor to be able to provide a home for their children to live in and creating problems that go beyond being homeless then losing your home losing access to your children it's a really horrible cycle and i think it's important for all of us to understand that that's what goes through that's what happens that that happens not too far away from where you live at i live on i'm not gonna say my specific address i'm gonna be moving out of here um, at the end of august but i live by uh, a reference point I always use is the Presbyterian Hospital. I'm not too far away from where there's people that are dealing with crazy situations when it comes to housing. Blocks away from it. I won't even be surprised there's families that are around here that literally the mother or the father has to stop eating so they can feed their children. It's a dire situation that we're in. Um, but part of solving the problem is understanding that it's happening around you and for us not to be stuck in a in a bubble. Um, <laughs> just one last thing, because it kind of made me think about like, you guys know what memes are, right? So memes are so powerful because <laughs> like, I feel like our whole life is becoming a meme. So hear me out. 
memes are so funny and so powerful and so relatable because they are situations that we all relate to. So you can look up a meme about like, you know, um, taking long breaks at work. You can look up a meme about a mother. You can look up memes, for example, about like, and I'll give you an experience. A specific example like Venezuelan culture there's a bunch of memes about Venezuelan moms that are so relatable because they're like my mom behaves the same way and the power of memes is that like everyone is able to relate to the specific situation and it's crazy that you know in our society the situation of housing is is a meme when I explain the situation about like looking for an apartment. This is something that so many people relate to because it's literally what's happening. And it's not in a good way. It's just a reflection of our decaying society and the way homes are being looked at now. Homes are it's no longer the, the place where the family's at. It is now a place where hedge funds and developers see to make money it's not the american dream it's how much money i can make out of it anyways um in the future episodes as i mentioned before i'm going to be having uh, people come in to speak about uh specific issues um in my time in philadelphia i got to meet a, a bunch of people that you know unfortunately have been have been going through situations like this all of their lives and when you hear it, um, you start to realize that this is not only a systemic issue, but this is something that's been going on for a very long time. And imagine some of these people that have gone through this since they were kids. Like, what kind of trauma does that cause? You know, this is just problems compounding on top of problems and on top of problems. And I think it's important to, to hear those stories out. Because sometimes we're guilty of just living in our own bubbles without realizing that our own neighbor needs help. And we're all part of this whole community. And we're all, the only way that we're able to do anything, anything to solve any of our problems, especially the structural societal problems, is going to be us understanding that we are all together in this and we're all a meme. <laughs> we're all a meme until we fix it anyways hope you um hope to hear from you guys um i'm gonna be uh posting this episode right now and if you guys can follow me on uh i'm on spotify i am on apple music on google i mean apple music on apple podcast and i am on google podcast too um in the future, there's going to be some video versions of this. I'm going to be messing around a lot with it. So anyways, I look forward to hearing from you guys. And I hope you guys have a beautiful and blessed day. And remember, stay vigilant and be blessed. <laughs>